If you're sick of the mainstream sports outlets, well, so was I. So I started my own show. I'm Shane Larson, and this is the Game Time Guru. It's different than other talk shows. I'm providing a panoramic view on sports so you can see them through a different lens. So buckle up and let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson. It's been a minute since I've been out here uh, producing some content, and I apologize for the lapse in time, but today it's a special day for me, and I'm going to explain why here in just a second, because I'm back with another episode, but this time I'm going solo. And the reason I'm going solo is because I'm going to do a podcast on what Kobe Bryant meant to me, kind of you know, honoring his name and explaining my view on Kobe Bryant growing up as a Utah Jazz fan. And so I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you guys listened to me. And I hope you guys uh, share this with your friends and family or anyone who's a, a fan of, of sports and especially anyone who's ever, you know, grown up listening to Kobe Bryant. So before we get started, guys, I got to make sure you guys are, are on the same page as me. Make sure you're subscribed to my, my show. I just want to give a huge shout out to anyone who's ever subscribed to my podcast or has left me a review. The reviews are super helpful. I've got more of them there. Um, we've got a huge listener base now, which is awesome. It's super humbling after having done this show for three years now, just seeing where it's at compared to where it was when it first started. Greatly appreciate it. Also, follow me on my social media platforms. Instagram and Twitter are, are the main ones, but I'm also on Facebook as well, and you can find me there. So, guys, uh, we got to get started here with this Kobe Bryant podcast. I was a little bit apprehensive about doing something like this. Um, when the news first broke that Sunday afternoon, I had just gotten home from my from my church service, and I got home, and I actually didn't even know about what was going on until my aunt sent me a text message randomly and, s- and said, you know, um, it was terribly sad. It was ter- uh, did you hear about Kobe Bryant? That's so sad. And I'm like, huh? And so naturally I, you know, go to Twitter and – you know, obviously Twitter's blowing up, but I was like the rest of the world where I was like waiting for someone other than TMZ to break the news. And, uh, you know, I'm refreshing Twitter over and over and over again. I'm looking at ESPN on DirecTV, just trying to figure that out, you know, making sure that uh, the news was true. And, you know, it was it was super sad. I, I didn't believe it. I just listened to Dana White today, actually, as I was listening to the post UFC 247 press conference. And Dana White said the same thing. He was like everyone else. He didn't believe it for like an hour. And as the the facts started to come out more and more, stories started to come out, you know, obviously truth started to set in, the the facts started settling in, and I I just couldn't believe it. And I was just in awe that um, I was so affected by his death. And um, it was super hard for me. I didn't want to do a video on camera because I was crying. I, I knew if I started talking about it, on camera, I'd start crying, which I shouldn't be scared to do. I think we should all be comfortable with doing that. But I was so impacted by that. And it's crazy to me because I grew up rooting against him. You know, I grew up rooting against Kobe Bryant. I'll talk about that here in a minute. But the impact that an athlete can have on an individual, you saw the impact he had. I mean, the whole world was talking about it. So for those who think that sports don't matter, I I would encourage you to take a second and, uh, reevaluate that thought process that you have because Kobe Bryant definitely left an, a, a huge mark on society, a, a positive one, um, when he passed. So, man, I, I, it's weird talking about it. It's like almost surreal, but I'm going to tell you guys this, when I grew up, 
you know, I was a little kid. I mean, I grew up during the Stockton Malone era at the near the end of their era, right? So like in the mid nineties, that's kind of like when I started watching basketball, like 95, 96. And I started going to jazz games with my family because they all lived in Utah. And so I was this huge Utah jazz fan. And, you know, naturally we, we lost our, that's all, you know, we lost our finals appearances to the Bulls and Michael Jordan. That was devastating for me. Um, and we, we, and it was crazy because, you know, back then I was just so bitter towards greatness. Like I just, I didn't like Michael Jordan. Um, and then Kobe Bryant was the new Michael Jordan at that time. And so I just didn't want him to win because I wanted my teams to win so bad. And I think what happened was, you know, in the early two thousands, when the jazz started to kind of drop off a little bit, they started to struggle in those early two thousands. That's when the Lakers were going on their run because they got over, you know, they had Shaq in his prime and they started to truly just form that, that dynasty and they just started crushing it. And I think I was jealous. Um, I think I was jealous because I wanted my team to win. I had uh, friends of mine that were Lakers fans, and I hated that. I hated the fact that Kobe was winning all these championships, and my team uh, had come so close two years in a row at the end of the 90s and, and couldn't do it. And so naturally, as a younger kid, I was just competitive, and I didn't like that. So I'd always grow up just like pissed at Kobe. And then, you know, come 2008, I left on my mission to Brazil, um, and I was kind of bummed when I left on my mission because that's when the Jazz, that's when, you know, D. Will and Carlos Boozer were there, and they were good again. And I honestly believed we were title, you know, not title contenders, finals contenders. You can call it a title contender. I believe back then that we were. We were title contenders, and I was kind of bummed that I was leaving on my mission because I was going to be gone for two years, and I wouldn't be able to see them play. And I thought that, you know, we legitimately had a, a great team finally everyone in their prime and just ready to roll and we were just playing so well and I remember when I was in Sao Paulo 2008 this was in January February time frame and I remember when the news broke that you know we, we caught wind of it because one of my friends on the mission had heard back in an email from his family saying that you know Pau Gasol had made his way over to the Lakers and I was just so pissed again I'm like how did Kobe get another big man in his prime how did that happen? Like, how does this work? How does this keep happening? And lo and behold, that was a, a year where the Jazz couldn't get past the Lakers. And, you know, I, I granted, I wasn't home to watch it, but I remember it happening because I was getting emails from my family members and my friends back home talking about the Jazz getting past the Rockets and then, you know, losing to the Lakers. And then the, the next season, it was the same thing. But I was in Brazil during that Lakers-Celtics matchup and then the Lakers-Magic. I was in Brazil during that time and I was just so irritated. I was like, gosh, dang it. You know, like I'm just so sick of these teams, like being on top of the world. It was like that same feeling I got for the Patriots for so long because I was just so sick of seeing these great athletes getting like just consistently playing at such a high level when my team couldn't figure it out. And then I returned home from Brazil and the Jazz got matched up with the Lakers again. We got past the Nuggets in a, in a really good matchup in the, in the first round. And then we ended up with the Lakers. And that was another year. That was the, when the Lakers beat the Celtics that year in the championship. And I was so pissed. 2010, we couldn't get past them. We just didn't match with them. They were just a tough team for us. We just didn't have the guys, you know, to, to match with their talent. They were just so good across the board. And Kobe was still playing at this elite level. And it was just crazy to me, and, and, and I found that it was just nuts. My whole life, I just couldn't believe that Kobe could continue to play, not at a high level, 
but at the highest level, you know, and that's, it was just insane to me, but that's also what proved to be like, that's what changed me into having a mad respect for the man. As I grew older and, you know, I dealt with injuries myself, a, a torn shoulder with, that I had to have uh, surgically repaired. And I saw how that hindered me in like my fitness goals as a human being. Um, it hindered me in my basketball skill set. It hindered me in so many ways, just one surgery on my shoulder. And then to see and, and go back and kind of see how Kobe, I remember thinking about this. I was like, dude, Kobe, of all the superstars, Kobe's had like an immense amount of injuries throughout the duration of his career. And he's always come back and played at the highest level in the league. I mean, we're talking shoulders, hands, uh, fingers, knees, both of them, right? Um, shins, Achilles, ankles. I mean, we're talking, he was, de he dealt with foot, like he hurt his foot. He's had so many injuries throughout the duration of his career, but he always came back, even if it was a surgically repaired issue. Um, if he was scoping something, it was an ankle sprain, obviously the Achilles tear, and he comes back and competes at the highest level, not at a high level, the highest level. And I just gained an immense amount of respect for him. But see, here's what the other thing was. It, I mean, I guess I just found that like you go back and look at his injuries and I just always was so mad because I just felt like he was invincible. You know, he was always so good and the Lakers just kept being good. And just when you thought like, oh, he, he went down with an injury. It's, it's our time to shine now. Well, he'd be back the next season at full strength and they just they rip everyone's hearts out, especially jazz fans. And I thought he was invincible. And, you know, when I was younger, I always found every single possible way to hate Kobe. Like, I make, I made personal attacks against him, you know? Like, I think it was 2003, you had the rape allegations that came out from when he was in Colorado. And I always would find myself putting those, like, those personal attacks into the arguments as to why he wasn't a good basketball player. You know, and I'd always find a way to, like, well, see, he... he cheated on his wife multiple times and you know when Vanessa his his wife she filed for divorce in like I think 2011 and I was like finally you know this guy got what he deserved because like she had come out and said you know he had been um you know he was he had cheated on her multiple times and throughout their their marriage and I was just like finally you know and I would just say such negative things you know like I'd call him names like this scumbag got what he deserved and this idiot um but let me tell you something, as I got older and having gone through a divorce in my life in 2013, I realized after that, that we are all human beings. You know, we all make mistakes. And while some mistakes are different than others, we all make mistakes in our lifetime. So who was I to utilize that in an argument and how stupid is that, that I use that in an argument regarding his legacy and his, you know, mark in basketball history and so now after I went through my divorce and as I've gotten older as a jazz fan sorry as a as a sports fan even as a jazz fan I have a whole new respect for Kobe and not only just as the basketball player but as the man himself I again I still feel like he was invincible because even when his marriage was on the way out right and Vanessa had filed for a divorce after they'd gone through their struggles this and that he made changes he was able to work to get his marriage back together, his family back intact, and they had two more, two more kids after that, um, after they decided to stay together. And I just was like, man, you know, and I wasn't mad anymore. I wasn't bitter anymore about him being invincible. Instead, I was like, man, what a good, 
what a what a good human being to have learned from his mistakes, put the work in not only on the basketball court, but to utilize what he learned in sports to put that towards his marriage and his family. And you could see that after his basketball career was over. And that's what I wanted to get to is he put the work in on the court. He put the work in into his family. And I think it took some time for him to learn that. I mean, he was a high profile athlete. He probably had a lot of uh, publicity. He had a lot of, a lot of girls wanting to, to get in on that, you know, get a piece of the pie. And he probably was, you know, dealing with a lot of temptations. Uh, he had issues with his, his family members, his parents. I mean, everybody was struggling and, and we don't always know everyone's full story. And so for him to be able to, <coughs> pardon me, for him to be able to come back from all that, I just felt like he was invincible. And I thought it was, he was invincible for a, a great reason. And all this time I had been disrespecting him and not appreciating his greatness. But in reality, you know, it was because I was competitive and I realized, oh, we're not that much different, Kobe and I. I mean, obviously athleticism and his, you know, he's in the NBA, one of the best players to ever play the game, millionaire, 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 whatever. You, know, you, want, you can say there's a lot of differences, but in regards to our competitive nature, he's a competitor and I'm a competitor. I disliked Kobe because he always, he was so competitive that he, he beat my teams, but that's why, because he was a competitor and so was I. We were not that much different in that regard, you know? And I have a massive respect for the man. I gained a competitive nature watching him. If he hadn't beat my teams every single year, I wouldn't have had that competitive drive to do better You know, when I played basketball, to do better when I played sports, to do better in my profession, to do better. I think he had a, a major impact on that without me even realizing it because I just grew up watching him play and beat the piss out of all my teams. And so it's crazy to see. Like I just have a huge respect for the man. And I, it wasn't until about you know, 2013, 14, 15, that I kind of started realizing like, man, I should have appreciated his greatness when he was in his prime. And that's kind of why I take that stance now with like LeBron James, you know, I, we argue who's the goat, you know, who, who's the best LeBron, MJ, Kobe, who, who is it? But what we do is we don't appreciate greatness while it's happening. And I don't want to do that again with one of these great players coming up because I did that with Kobe. I didn't appreciate his greatness and I didn't appreciate what he did for the game until it was later on. And granted, I still learned a lot of life lessons from watching him play and, and, and understanding that it was just a little bit later than I should have done. You know what I mean? And so it's crazy. Uh, Kobe was such a good competitor, um, a man that learned from his mistakes and made things right with his family. And he was a good family man. He was a good dad. Um, he, he had daughters and I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. He didn't want anyone to treat his daughters the same way that, you know, he had treated his wife, their mother. And so he made some changes. I also really appreciated the fact that when, when basketball was done, I mean, you rarely saw him at the Staples center. You know, he would go from time to time. You'd see, okay, Kobe's at the game tonight, whatever, but he wasn't sitting over there all, all day, every day. He was truly putting that, you know, as a side thing, you know, his basketball was behind him as far as his playing days. Maybe one day he'll get back up there, but his kids were young um, and he wanted to be around him. And I appreciated that fact for him. And now as a father myself, I have such a mad respect for him for doing that, for, for giving his time and attention to his kids and his wife for being present. Because obviously for those 20 years, he probably wasn't able to be as present, you know, and he had made mistakes, but now it was his time to like, okay, I've set them up for their future, but I want to be present now. And he did that. And I, I appreciate that. I respect that of him. And it's such a good example for all of us, right? We need to all take a, a page out of Kobe's book 
and remember to be present. What an awesome example. Another thing is, is he was such a good like investor. You know, he didn't just take his millions and just sit there. He made smart moves. I mean, I was just listening to Dana White talk about how Kobe was an investor into the UFC. And the Wednesday before his death, he actually got paid out one of the distributions from his, uh, from his um, investment. And he was pretty happy with it. Uh, but it, I love the fact that he, he reached out and, and he, he branched out to try to find new ways to keep his, his you know, knowledge that he learned through the sport of basketball and keep that going. You know, now let's put it into the business world. And Kobe was just super talented, one of the hardest working individuals you'll ever see. And he did that. And he he did his research and he put money into investments for different companies like the UFC, like Body Armor, all those things. And that was a it was just another way to uh, be competitive and be able to to generate revenue and um, be a businessman. And it's just so cool to see that he was able to work so hard. And that's one thing I wanted to say here before I wrap it up is just. One thing I learned from Kobe, be a hard worker, you know, work hard at whatever you do, be great at whatever you're doing. You know, I worked in a call center for a couple of years and for some people that work in call centers, I mean, that sucks. Like nobody wants to say they work in a call center, but that's how you pay the bills sometimes and, or that's how you get your foot in the door sometimes. But one thing you can do is always remember that I, you know, like go to work and say, Hey, I'm going to be a, the, the greatest customer service representative on the phones that I can possibly be, be great at whatever you're doing. You know what I mean? If you're a mom and, and you're with your kids, be great. If you're a dad and you're with your kids, be great. He was great. He, he tried to be great at whatever he did. He came across wrong to some people because of that, because he was so competitive, but he truly wanted to be great and he wanted others to be great as well. And I really respect that about the man. Um, still super sad. And, and I'm glad I was able to do this podcast and just kind of share my thoughts on the matter. I don't usually go solo as much anymore on the show. I try to bring more guests on, which we will have. But I wanted to at least take an opportunity to put my voice out there and show my appreciation for Kobe Bryant, even as someone who despised him growing up. But I realized it was because he worked so damn hard and he worked he worked his butt off um, and he was so competitive. And that's why he was so great. He was great. And I got to realize that, I mean, I'd encourage us all to appreciate greatness now. Like If this is a lesson for anybody, he wasn't invincible. Even, and that's why it was so hard for all of us because we felt like he was. Like he got through his married marital issues. He got through all the injuries throughout his career. We thought he was invincible. And when it was his time to go home, it showed that he, he wasn't invincible, which was why it's so hard for us to grasp. You know what I mean? But I'm grateful for his example. I'm grateful that I, I got to grow up watching him, even though I despised him at times. I'm grateful for what he taught me. He taught me to be competitive just by watching him. I, you know, I, 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 <laughs> I learned how to deal with losses. That's a life lesson. My team's lost. I had to deal with it. And it's all because Kobe put the work in and he did that. And that's why you see it. You're like, man, Shane, you never met the guy in person. What are you talking about? How did he impact you like that? Go and check how many people he impacted that never met the guy. It's unbelievable the legacy he left behind. So I just want to say thank you to Kobe and, um, let us all appreciate greatness while we're, while we're witnessing it. If you're doing the same thing with LeBron James, uh, I did it with Tom Brady too. Like I gotta, I've gotta try to appreciate greatness. Like, but for the longest times, I just argue and try to say why they're not great. Why not just to accept that they're great and appreciate it? Because it's not always going to be that way. And uh, yeah, let it be a life lesson, guys. I appreciate you tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show. Hit that subscribe button. Leave me a review. It really helps me out. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next time.
Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.